Let's turn to the Lord and ask his presence here. Dear Father in heaven, as we come before thee and open thy word, read out of it, dear Father, we acknowledge that we are doing this before and because of a great God, an awesome God, a God who has declared his name in these pages, in this account of his doings with the people of Israel and then his doings with all of mankind through Christ Jesus. Dear Father, it is an awesome thing. It's not just another Sunday, not just a, something that we do out of rote, dear Father, but we are opening the book that contains the words of life, that can give life if each individual here chooses to believe it, to entrust themselves to it, to walk in it, they will experience far, far beyond the pages, the, the, the letters, the written letters of the, the words and on this book, they will experience life, life in Jesus Christ. And dear Father, that is our, our prayer this morning hour, that we would encounter thee. Dear Lord, we need to hear thy word. There is so much noise, there's so much confusion, there's so much deception from the evil one who is very close to each one of us, who knows each one of us intimately and is spreading his lies. But equally we know this morning there is one who stands very close to. That is the God who made us, the one who desires to dwell in each heart by faith. Dear Father, we pray that thou wouldst speak to us. We pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. Amen. I'd like to read with the Lord's help this morning out of Deuteronomy, the book of Deuteronomy. That's the fifth book of Moses, chapter 32. Deuteronomy chapter 32, let's begin with the, the last verse of the preceding chapter. I'm going to read a, a fair amount here. Deuteronomy chapter 32, starting with the last, yeah, 3130, last verse of the previous chapter. And Moses spake in the ears of all the congregation of Israel the words of this song until they were ended. Give ear, O ye heavens. And I will speak, and hear, O earth, the words of my mouth. My doctrine shall drop as the rain, my speech shall distill as the dew, as the small rain upon the tender herb, and as the showers upon the grass, because I will publish the name of the Lord, ascribe ye greatness unto our God. He is the rock, his work is perfect, for all his ways are judgment a God of truth, and without iniquity, just and right is he. They have corrupted themselves. Their spot is not the spot of his children. They are a perverse and crooked generation. Do ye thus requite the Lord, O foolish people and unwise? Is not he thy father that hath bought thee? Hath he not made thee and established thee? Remember the days of old, consider the years of many generations. Ask thy father, and he will show thee, thy elders, and they will tell thee. 
when the Most High divided to the nations their inheritance, when he separated the sons of Adam, he set the bounds of the people according to the number of the children of Israel. For the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob is the lot of his inheritance. He found him in a desert land and in the waste howling wilderness. He led him about. He instructed him. He kept him as the apple of his eye. As an eagle stirreth up her nest, fluttereth over her young, spreadeth abroad her wings, taketh them, beareth them on her wings. So the Lord alone did lead him, and there was no strange God with him. He made him to ride on the high places of the earth, that he might eat the increase of the fields, and he made him to suck honey out of the rock, and oil out of the flinty rock, butter of kine, and milk of sheep, with fat of lambs, and rams of the breed of Bashan, and goats with the fat of kidneys of wheat, and thou didst drink the pure blood of the grape. But Jeshurun waxed fat and kicked. Thou art waxen fat, thou art grown thick, thou art covered with fatness. Then he forsook God which made him, and lightly esteemed the rock of his salvation. They provoked him to jealousy with strange gods. With abominations provoked they him to anger. They sacrificed unto devils, not to God. To gods whom they knew not, to new gods that came, up, came newly up, whom your fathers feared not. Of the rock that begat thee, thou art unmindful, and hast forgotten God that formed thee. And when the Lord saw it, he abhorred them, because of the provoking of his sons and of his daughters. And he said, I will hide my face from them. I will see what their end shall be, for they are a very froward generation, children in whom is no faith. They have moved me to jealousy with that which is not God. They have provoked me to anger with their vanities, and I will move them to jealousy with those which are not a people. I will provoke them to anger with a foolish nation. For a fire is kindled in mine anger, and shall burn unto the lowest hell, and shall consume the earth with her increase, and set on fire the foundations of the mountains. I will heap mischiefs upon them. I will spend mine arrows upon them. They shall be burnt with hunger, and devoured with burning heat, and with bitter destruction. I will also send the teeth of beasts upon them, with the poison of serpents of the dust. The sword without and terror within shall destroy both the young man and the virgin, the suckling also with the man of gray hairs. I said, I would scatter them into corners. I would make the remembrance of them to cease from among men, were it not that I feared the wrath of the enemy, lest their adversaries should behave themselves strangely, and lest they should say, Our hand is high, and the Lord hath not done all this. For they are a nation void of counsel, neither is there any understanding in them. Oh, that they were wise, that they understood this, that they would consider their latter end. How should one chase a thousand, and two put ten thousand to flight, except their rock had sold them, and the Lord had shut them up? For their rock is not as our rock, even our enemies themselves being judges. For their vine is of the vine of Sodom and of the fields of Gomorrah. Their grapes are grapes of gall. Their clusters are bitter. Their wine is the poison of dragons and the cruel venom of asps. Is not this laid up in store with me and sealed up among my treasures? To me 
along with vengeance and recompense. Their foot shall slide in due time. For the day of their calamity is at hand, and the things that shall come upon them make haste. For the Lord shall judge his people and repent himself for his servants when he seeth that their power is gone and there is none shut up or left. And he shall say, Where are their gods, their rock in whom they trusted, which did eat the fat of their sacrifices and drank the wine of their drink offerings? Let them rise up and help you and be your protection. See now that I, even I, am he, and there is no God with me. I kill and I make alive. I wound and I heal. Neither is there any that can deliver out of my hand. For I lift up my hand to heaven and say, I live forever. If I whet my glittering sword and mine hand take hold on judgment, I will render vengeance to mine enemies and will reward them that hate me. I will make mine arrows drunk with blood and my sword shall devour flesh and that with the blood of the slain and of the captives from the beginning of revenges upon the enemy. Rejoice, O ye nations, with his people. For he will avenge the blood of his servants and will render vengeance to his adversaries and will be merciful unto his land and to his people. And Moses came and spake all the words of this song in the ears of the people, he and Hashiah, the son of Nun. I've read to the 44th verse of this chapter. May God bless the reading of his word. The Lord's worthy that we kneel in prayer before him. <clears throat> o Lord God, who is like unto thee? Who is like unto thee in majesty and power? Who is like unto thee in length of days and knowledge and wisdom? And who are we, Heavenly Father, that we can come before thee? and speak so freely in thy presence. In this age of familiarity and open contempt, lack of respect, we sometimes forget that there is one who will one day judge the earth. There is one who deserves every, <clears throat> every honor, every respect, every bit of praise that we could ever bring, there is one who sits on the throne of heaven and no one will stay his hand. Heavenly Father, the word we've read together reminds us once again that as the writer wrote, thou art no tame lion, thou art the lion of the tribe of Judah and one day every knee will indeed bow. Heavenly Father, help us to remember that in this age we live in, in this upside-down world where evil is called good and good is called evil. Help us to remember when others may say, where now is God? Help us to remember when we may think too highly of ourselves as well, Heavenly Father, and boast of our accomplishments or what we can do. Help us to remember that thou dost sustain us and in thy hand is our collective breath. But Heavenly Father, how good to know that thou art indeed a loving Father 
in that though we tremble in thy presence when we consider thy greatness, yet we marvel at thy love that sent thine only begotten Son to die in our place, that we may live with thee and experience thy love in its fullness. Heavenly Father, thou art great. There is nothing we can say that will ever even approximate thy greatness, but we will spend an eternity glorifying thee for who thou art. And Heavenly Father, even now, though we be few in number this morning, gathered together around thy word, we pray as, De as Moses prayed to thee, Lord, show us thy glory. Help us to understand the greatness of the God we serve. Help us to realize that though this world may seem chaotic and out of control, nothing escapes thy notice and nothing is beyond thy knowledge and nothing happens without thy permission. Heavenly Father, we don't even know how rightly to pray before thee and so we only pray as thy son prayed in the garden. Thy will be done. Speak to us now this morning, Heavenly Father. Be with those that could not gather with us because of old age or infirmity, other reasons beyond their control. And for those that have chosen to stay away, Heavenly Father, let thy word go forth in power and may it impress upon them that one day, one day, they will not be able to run from thee any longer. One day, they will stand face to face with the Lord of all the universe and will need to give an account for what they have done. Heavenly Father, we want to pray now for the believers that are gathered together both in Mansfield and Strasbourg Road for the joyful occasion of the baptism of souls into thy fold. Let thy work be done, Heavenly Father. Let those new and tender plants form deep and strong roots that when the times of dryness might come and when the difficulties may arise that through those same deep roots they may be, may be able to draw strength and nourishment from the living waters that water their souls. Heavenly Father, be with all of us now. We want to pray especially for the believers in Ukraine that are experiencing hardship and difficulties, perhaps even right now at this very moment, uncertainty and danger. Heavenly Father, show them what we are also seeing now this morning in thy word, that thou art indeed Lord of all, and that no man may lift himself up without thy permission. And when the time comes, each one will be abased by the mighty hand of God. Be with us now this morning hour, dear Lord, and bless us with thy presence. And we pray all these things in the name of thy Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The word before, that we have before us this morning hour is not a um, typical one. I don't think you'd hear any modern song like this. That Zion's harp song <clears throat> that we sang is in the same vein, and it's good to, to see where scripture and, and our hymnal, um, that our hymnal is based on scripture. But this song we have here is singular, and you'd think, why, why would I choose to read a passage like this on a beautiful Sunday morning? 
We think we come to church, we want to be encouraged, we want to hear uh, things that will lift us up. I feel compelled to read this chapter and meditate upon it. Something that uh, Brother Ronnie and, and both Brother Ronnie and Brother Ryan shared last week in their messages on the, the Northeast Sing triggered me, triggered the, the, this, this thought and, and, and prompted me further. If we do not preach about the wrath of God, of, of who God is in all his totality, the judgment that awaits everyone outside of Jesus Christ, our gospel is very weak. It's a watered-down, powerless gospel. Part of the proclaiming of the whole gospel of Jesus Christ and, and the, the good place to start is to realize just who God is. That's where Moses starts in this psalm. He wants to declare the name of God. He wants to publish his name. I will declare. The words that I speak are, are, are beautiful words. And it's shocking when you read, as you go on in this passage, the, 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 the language and, and some of the, the things that God does and promises. And you think, how is that the, the doctrine that drops as the rain, the speech that distills as the dew, showers upon the grass. Beautiful imagery at the start. But this is the God that we serve, and it is only as we get to know this God in his we can never know him in his totality, but more and more of his character that we see and understand and accept these things. And that's where I am, I am weak as I am as a, as a child of God, that as I read these things, I understand these things fully in the light of Christ Jesus. This is what makes Christ Jesus so precious. God is so holy and so pure. His justice demands punishment. It demands a setting right of all accounts. But Jesus Christ is the one that we can now proclaim freely in this good day. It's necessary, it's very necessary that, that, that we consider these things that we read this morning hour. Think about it. This song, if you go back a chapter, there's a specific purpose. Verse 19, Now therefore, write ye this song for you, and teach it to the children of Israel. Put it in their mouths, that this song may be a witness for me against the children of Israel. When all the calamity would come upon them, all of the, the, the horrible things that they would be experience as a nation, this song, and songs stick in your mind in a way that almost nothing else does, would come back to them and would remind them. And they would see this is part of God's character. This is, he has said everything. It is me. It is us as a nation. We have sinned. Daniel in his prayer, Lord, we have grievously departed. We've run from your, your commandments. We haven't upheld them. So it's necessary that the majority of the song, that's what it's about. If you look at the, the, the majority of the content is God's punishment, his wrath being poured out. And the children of Israel, it was necessary for them to remember that when they had gone through it so they could acknowledge and see God for who he was. But my friend outside of Jesus Christ, it's really necessary this morning that you understand the position that you are in. Recently, we had a Bible study, part of a series on the life of Christ, and we spent one lesson on 
John 3, that beautiful, that gospel of John, that um, as probably the most famous verse in the Bible, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But neither Jesus nor the gospel writer who, who recalled, recorded that account uh, will spare and, and uh, uh, neglect to tell you, you who are outside of Christ, exactly what position you are in. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And, and the, John ends this account at the end of chapter 3 on a final note of he that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Continuous present tense abideth, it abides. And you think, I don't feel that. Life is pretty good. I'm weighing up this whole thing about the Bible and whether God is true or not, or should I join the church or not, or I, I'm, I'm trying to make a decision, I'm trying to decide what I'm going to do with my life. Oh, you know, those are all serious things, but. The wrath of God is abiding on you. You are presently under his wrath. You are presently in, in the spotlight of the anger of God. That is the only salient uh, thing that matters for you right now, my friend outside of Christ. It's that God is angry with you. Angry in a way that, that you as a person, as a man, cannot understand on your own. You think of a, some other person that's angry at you and, oh, well, whatever, I can ignore him. Or, or he's maybe justly or unjustly angry at me. No, 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 this is a perfect holy God. A God that he says is truth, a God of truth without iniquity, just and right is he. That God, that perfect God has put forth his son Jesus Christ and has asked you to believe on him, just to believe on him completely and totally, to give yourself to him and you are making excuses and putting off and putting outside. And as a result, there, the wrath of God is still on you. You have not accepted Christ. That's the, the reason that we, you need to think about this topic this morning, my friend, outside of Christ. And my brother and sister, this is also a topic that you and I need to think about too. The writer of Hebrews saw, saw it sufficient, saw it necessary to quote this very passage in Hebrews 10 as a warning to the believer. Verse 26, Hebrews 10, For if we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour the adversaries. This is those that have received the knowledge of the truth. Now he draws a contrast. He says, he that despised Moses' law, these people that to whom this song was, was written, he that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses of how much sore punishment, suppose ye, shall he be thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing and hath done despite unto the Spirit of God. For we know him that hath said, here in Deuteronomy 32, 
Vengeance belongeth unto me, I will recompense, saith the Lord. And again, quoting, the Lord shall judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. So my brother and sister, we do not need to be afraid of the wrath of God, not by any stretch. We don't need to be uh, 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 consumed with thoughts, but we need to know that if we grieve the Holy Spirit, that grief, if, it's, if we stay in that spot and, and, and continue to not heed the Holy Spirit, that grief will turn to anger. There will be a separation. There will be a, a return to that wrath, as Hebrews warns. So this is a heavy topic, but we understand it in the light of God, in the light of his whole and total character. And that's how the, the, this, Moses starts the song here. He looks at God and his character. I will publish the name of the Lord. Ascribe ye greatness unto our God. He, he, he lifts up God and shows just who he is and the contrast. Verse 5 and 6. They have corrupted themselves. Their spot, their identifying mark is not the spot of his children. They are a perverse and crooked generation. And he goes then to show in this picture of the children of Israel, which is a picture, which is a, a pattern that's repeated with mankind as a whole, what happens? How man responds to God's goodness and then how God reacts. And I think that clarifies my, my understanding of God's wrath. If there were no sin, there would be no wrath. Wrath is God's reaction to sin. God, the holy, perfect God, his revulsion at sin. It is right. It is true. You know, people like to throw up um, excuses. And I think, you know, as we, as we read this passage here, one of them, they would, they would look here, verse 25 here, it says about his destruction, terror with the sword without terror within shall destroy both the young man and the virgin, the suckling also, infant, with the man of gray hairs, and, 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 and the one who does not want to accept God's uh, wrath would say, what about the innocent people? What about those that are caught up in this? That's a heavy question. I don't have an answer that I can give you and say, Here. All I can say is God is true and God is right, and you will not be able to stand before him on the day of judgment and say, well, what about those people and how you did with that? You will stand before him on the day of judgment and acknowledge his utter truth and rightness. It's not going to be a matter of someone infinitely greater and stronger than you and you're just being cowed into silence. No, it is a matter of standing before someone infinitely pure and holier and just and right than you and, and you acknowledging that. My friend outside of Christ... That is, the, the, what is looking what you are looking forward to on the day of judgment. That is the reason I feel compelled to, to, to preach on this not very nice topic this morning. Because of what is waiting for you if you do not accept what God has made, the propitiation, the way of escape he has made. So this pattern, God did so much. We look... Remember the days of old. Consider the years of many generations, verse 7, 8. How, how God set his special love on the, on the nation of Israel. How he divided them. He, he led them spectacularly. He provided everything for them. Now, this is you, my friend. God's provided everything for you. He's given you life and health, a body, a mind. He's given you a, 
a sense of, of the sweetness and, the, and the, the tenderness and the transitory nature of life and you're not really interested in seeking out and finding the creator, enjoying his presence, being with him, the one who gave all these things, the one that has given them to you for a limited time to enjoy, and you're going to be entranced and, and, and grab a hold of those things and, and, and not look at the one who has given them, the one who is turning you to destruction and saying, return, ye children of man. This is the God that, that blesses you and me and has given us this earth, which is we've misused, we've abused for our own profit, our own lust. This is what happened to the nation of Israel. This pattern here in verse 15, 16, 17, 18. Jeshurun, this is his pet name for, for Israel, his, the upright one. His, his, we have terms of endearment for our loved ones. This is God's term of endearment for his beloved Israel. Jeshurun waxed fat and kicked. Rebellion. You want to go your own way. Rebellion, idolatry, provoked him to jealousy with strange gods. Verse 18, forgetfulness. Rebellion, idolatry, forgetfulness. This is the pattern. Romans 1, read that. The wrath of God is upon all the ungodly because of they didn't acknowledge God. They've rebelled against him. They've worshipped and served the creature more than the creator. They did not like to retain God in their knowledge, forgetfulness. It's that same pattern. It's that same pattern of, of turning away the, the, the heart of man that, that wants to go his own way. And Brother and sister, this is applicable for you and me too. We can have that heart of rebellion, of, of idolatry, of, of worshiping and serving what is not God, looking to that to supply, of forgetting God. We can turn the same way too and, and, and be under his displeasure. This is not uh, just a word for the unconverted that, that we can feel secure and comfortable. I have Christ. That's all good. Am I following him? Am I worshiping and serving him above all else? Is he my rock, as, the, as, the, as Moses writes here, the rock of my salvation? Or am I going to build on something else? I'm going to set my affections on things that are not from him and of him. That's the pattern of, 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 of mankind, of the flesh, of rebellion, of, of idolatry, of forgetfulness. And God's response. He said, verse 20, I will hide my face from them. I will see what their end shall be. God is the source of all good. He is the reason that you see anything good in this world, that you experience anything good. He is, he is the cause of protection, of, of, of withholding. He just has to remove those things for us to experience wrath in the sense of our just desserts. Think of the, the news, the things you hear, just shocking things, horrible things about people shooting other people. And This is, sadly, this is evidence of, of God removing, hiding my face from them. God gave them up. That's what Romans 1 says. And I often think that's, as we, as we are within the hearing of God's word and choose to rebel against it or to forget it, 
God will, will allow us to be hardened. There will be an inevitable process that will happen. There will be a hardening, a turning away, and a forsaking, and we will experience that, that Romans 1 pattern. And in so doing, that's, that's the wrath of God. Not only that, he goes on to punishment. And there's not much I can say about these verses. They just seem to go after another. You think this is a song. This is something that the children of Israel are supposed to remember, that when they were, after they'd experienced all this, they were supposed to have that tune in their head. And that in itself would be a means to turn them back to God, to realize I have justly suffered because of what I have done, like Brother Brian read in Lamentations last week. That whole book, just a, a whole series of woes, of woes, of, 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 of the outpouring of grief at the punishment of Israel. And yet, in the midst of that, this is the position now from which one can realize that God is faithful, his, his mercies are new every morning. And my friend, outside of Christ, I, I do not uh, uh, pray for any, uh, uh, wish any calamity upon you, any, any uh, judgment, any, um, anything bad, but if that is what it takes to experience some of this wrath, some of this consequence of your own actions, God in his infinite wisdom, he set up the world this way. He loves us infinitely. If there was an easier, there was a better way that those that are created in the image of God could be saved, I'm sure he would have done it. But this is the gospel. The one who is proud, the one who goes his own way, the one who rebels will experience these things that we read in this song here. It will happen. So that perhaps, maybe, he will respond he will realize God's mercy and God's grace are on offer, are currently offered today. Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness when your fathers tempted me and proved me 40 years. Wherefore, I was grieved with that generation and said they do always err in their heart and they have not known my ways. So I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. This is the warning. This is the warning to the believers in Hebrews that we're considering to turn back. This is the warning to you today, my friend outside of Christ. God's perfect and righteous wrath is being held out here, is being declared equally with his gracious mercy in Christ Jesus. This is the line that goes through all of Scripture, from the beginning to the end. This is how he ends the song. There will be judgment. God, it's interesting you're here, verse 40. I, I'm aware of only one other instance he, he did this, but maybe my lack of Bible knowledge, is he swears an oath here in verse 40. He swears an oath on himself. He says, for I lift up my hand to heaven and say, I live forever. I will render vengeance. I will judge. I will... I will uh, Make all things right. I'm swearing an oath on that, just as he swore an oath to Abraham and said, I will bless you. Surely bless you. I will bless all the nations of the earth through you. He has sworn an oath to punish and to judge, but he has also sworn an oath to bless all nations of the earth through Abraham, Jesus Christ. 
This is the God that we serve, that we can be 100% sure of the things that he has declared. And this is the line that goes through scripture. This is the dividing point, my friend, outside of Christ. This is the dividing point between the world and the church. This is the dividing point between uh, those that uh, have the spirit and those that do not. This is what Enoch declared and, and, and second last book of the, of the Bible, Jude, quotes Enoch, one of the first, seventh from Adam, as he says, says, the Lord cometh with 10,000 of his saints to judge. This was declared right at the beginning, right with, right after, right with Adam and through Noah and on, and this is what's declared in the New Testament in 1 Thessalonians, that the Lord is coming and he will render judgment. This is the line, and, and you have a choice now, here and today, to choose which side you will be on this line. Whether you will rejoice with a God that does rightly and justly, verse 43, or whether you will reject that, whether you will say, no, I, I can't accept this. This just, just doesn't comport with my understanding of, of, of myself and this world and, and where is this wrath and it doesn't seem right and I, I don't understand it. The beautiful thing, you know, it, I, I struggle to understand it. I, you know, we have a, a three and a half month old, a four month old almost, and this is just the age when they're starting to, to, to smile. And, and uh, it's just like a, you flip a switch and it's like you look at them and they smile kind of thing. It's, it's beautiful. It's wonderful. And I think God who created such a beautiful being, and I'm, I'm not implying for a moment that God's wrath is on children. It's not. Children are part of his kingdom. But a God who created such a beautiful being that we can respond to with such a love and tenderness, and yet this God has wrath in store? How does this work? But then I realize those same tender feelings that I have for my own children, how would I feel to ravening wolves that, that want to attack them, that want to, to, to uh, harm my children? That's the same feeling God has towards sin, towards those that would destroy, towards those that would, would, he will render vengeance to, his adversaries, those that are against him. This is the feeling, this is the difference, the dividing line between totally different things, between my children and adversaries that would destroy my family. That's the difference of feeling here that God has between sin and his children. And the beautiful thing is his love has extended to the ravening wolves, to the ones who wanted to destroy, to his own enemies who spit in his face and hated him and, and, and mocked him. His love has extended to them to bring them into his family, to make them his children. This is the, 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 the glory of the gospel that after we have shown that, yes, judgment is upon all of mankind, rightly so, by a holy, perfect, just God, we can declare God's mercy, his, his righteousness and his his mercy at the same time in the person of Jesus Christ. Psalm 85, beautiful. Talks about uh, mercy and truth have kissed each other. Justice and, and peace have sat down together. Maybe I'm misquoting it. It's actually the, where the theme of this year's camp is taken from. Interestingly enough, revive us again. It's a psalm that speaks about God's wrath. 
Lord, thou hast been favorable unto thy land. Thou hast brought back the captivity of Jacob. This is now on the other side of, of that punishment that they'd experienced, the consequences of that song. Thou hast forgiven the iniquity of thy people. Thou hast covered all their sin. Thou hast taken away all thy wrath. Thou hast turned thyself from the fierceness of thine anger. But then he goes, it's almost like, well, it's not complete yet. And I think this is because this is written before Jesus Christ. Turn us, O God of our salvation, and cause thine anger toward us to cease. Wilt thou be angry with us forever? Wilt thou draw out thine anger to all generations? Wilt thou not revive us again, that thy people may rejoice in thee? Show us thy mercy, O Lord, and grant us thy salvation. I will hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace unto his people and to his saints, but let them not turn again to folly. Surely his salvation is nigh them that fear him, that glory may dwell in our land. And here's the passage we all know. Mercy and truth are met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. This happened at the cross. Someone once said, those four things that kind of went their separate ways after Adam's fall have been met together now in Christ. This is how we can understand and accept the wrath that we've read about this morning. Truth shall spring out of the earth and righteousness shall look down from heaven. Yea, the Lord, the Lord shall give that which is good and our land shall yield her increase. Righteousness shall go before him and shall set us in the way of his steps. This is where the song, the song of Moses thankfully concludes. The last little bit after describing things that are hard to, to, to read, he says, and he will be merciful unto his land and to his people. And that word merciful there, I looked it up. It's not the typical merciful, the hesed. It is the kafar word for merciful, which means cleansing, atonement, reconciliation. God will be merciful in the way of he will bring back, he will reconcile, he will do this, he will propitiate his wrath, his own wrath. He will do the work of putting that wrath aside. And that that sets my heart at ease. I can understand now and accept. So my friend outside of Christ, you may look around you, you may look at the, the Putins in this world and, and the evil people and think, oh, they deserve God's wrath. Look at the destruction they're causing. And, and um, yeah, those kind of people this, this psalm applies to. Do you know how you stand before a holy, perfect God, a God of truth in which there is no iniquity, do you know that you will never be able to point to someone else comparatively and say, That's, it's okay, I, I'm okay, or offer up some excuse for not fully accepting the work of Christ, fully following through with what he's called you to do as his disciple? John Newton, the famous author of Amazing Grace, beautiful hymn, probably the most well-known hymn, also wrote uh, another song. I'd like to read the, the verses of it in closing. Another hymn. Sinner, art thou still secure? Wilt thou still refuse to pray? Can thy heart or hands endure in the Lord's avenging day? See, his mighty arm is bared. Awful terrors clothe his brow. 
For his judgment stand prepared, thou must either break or bow. At his presence nature shakes. Earth, affrighted, hastes to flee. Solid mountains melt like wax. What will then become of thee? Who his advent may abide? You that glory in your shame. Will you find a place to hide when the world is wrapped in flame? Then the rich, the great, the wise, trembling, guilty, self-condemned, must behold the wrathful eyes of the judge they once blasphemed. Where are now their haughty looks? Oh, their horror and despair. When they see the opened books and their dreadful sentence here. Lord, prepare us by thy grace. Soon we must resign our breath and our souls be called to pass through the iron gate of death. Let us now our day improve. Listen to the gospel voice. Seek the things that are above Scorn the world's pretended joys. May God bless this word to us.